This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Let's start with the defense. We seldom do that. Now, I understand that the Browns don't present the greatest of challenges. They only have one wide receiver you have to worry about. And the defense, without using Joe Hayden to shadow him, which they have done against the Bengals and Atlanta, (laughs) excuse me, Atlanta, they didn't even bother to shadow Jarvis Landry, and he did not hurt them. He did catch eight balls, but only for 39 yards, 4.9 per catch. You'll live with that any and every day of the week. One of the other things that I found incredible is that tight end David Njoku, who is a good player and getting better, the second leading receiver on the Browns, did not catch a pass. In fact, he wasn't even targeted. Yeah, he was targeted once, but there was that was on that sequence where they had four consecutive penalties. And that didn't count as a target because the penalty makes it a no play. No targets for David and Joku in the first half, and none officially for the entire game. Now, again, the Browns, they're not the Chiefs who they play this week with a new head coach, whoever that may be. But whatever passing game that the Browns had, the Steelers totally shut it down. And <coughs> the statistics are totally inflated because of the fact that so much of it came in that garbage time drive at the end. And something else I thought was significant, the longest completion of the day was 24 yards, but that was the touchdown pass with, what, two seconds remaining? They totally shut him down. But that goes into a larger narrative, and that this defense, even against a weaker offensive team, is playing better. And I go back to the Atlanta game. I mean, Atlanta's a sub-500 team, but they do have a very high-octane, explosive offense. And the Steelers held the Falcons to 17 points that day. Then you go into Cincinnati two weeks ago, and the Bengals may have their issues, even if they're 5-3, and but they do have a good offense. And you can't ignore the last drive that Andy Dalton engineered to give them the lead temporarily. But up until that point, the Steelers had only allowed a good Cincinnati offense two touchdowns. And even the total of 21 points, as I've told you before, if you would have told me that the Steelers would allow the Bengals 21 points before the game, I would have said, fine, I'll take that. The way the game is played today, (coughs) I apologize, coming down with a cold. The way the game is played today and how productive the Steelers' offense can be, almost any game, if you hold a team to 21, this is throughout the league. you got a pretty good chance of winning. So they did a good job against Cincinnati. One of the major issues, it seems to me, we don't see the long plays. 
we really don't see the complete busts, whether that's people becoming more familiar with each other, whether it's Joe Hayden, they're not having all these mistakes in the secondary. That could change at any minute. But I'm not even considering that 24-yard catch for the touchdown. You're playing prevent at that point. You're up at that 33-12 to with a minute to play. So what? Early in the game, the Bengals were running on Bengals. The Browns were running on the Steelers. Nick Chubb had 52 yards in the first half, over five per carry. In the second half, he only had 13 yards. Part of that, they stopped going to him. But that was one of the keys to the game was make make, Baker Bayfield. Baker Mayfield pass to beat you. I mean, Mayfield's got a chance to be a good quarterback. Maybe not with this outfit. They'll need more help. So it's really not about Baker Mayfield, but he is a rookie. He doesn't have the kind of weapons that Ben has or that Patrick Mahomes has or that even Andy Dalton has. So make him play from behind. They did that. They had to abandon the running game. I don't know if they had to, but they did. And clearly the Steelers made some adjustments in the run game as Cincinnati came out and attacked them horizontally. Flanker screens, a lot of that kind of stuff to negate the rush. But they really weren't able to do that. Again, as we talk about team issues from yesterday, they made Baker Mayfield pass. And again, this is not really about him. It's about their pass offense in general. They limited Jarvis Landry, didn't hurt them, and Joku was a non-factor in the game. And the Steelers' pass rush had two sacks. They've had more, as you know. But they had seven quarterback hits. I would imagine that Baker Mayfield, even though he's 22 or whatever he is, had trouble getting out of bed this morning. The pass rush was excellent. Seven quarterback hits. And they made Mayfield move off his spot. He doesn't have great receivers. And they did get excellent coverage. Then it goes back to what the offense was able to do to put the defense into a position. That's why I really like the call on fourth down at the end of the first half. I know some people would have preferred kicking a field goal because there, you know, you're out of timeouts and they throw the little bubble screen there to Antonio Brown. If he doesn't get in, that's the end of the half. And you come away with nothing. But I'm okay with that. I'm going to take my chances. I mean, if you need a field goal to win the game, no, you kick the field goal. But in that particular circumstance, I'm going for it. With that offense, the play looked similar. the Cincinnati play, I like the call. 
even if you don't make it, you're getting the kickoff to start the second half. Now, I will say that the Steelers mismanaged the clock a bit. A full 10 seconds ran off before they called their second timeout. I think it went from 35 to 25, something like that. There seemed to be some indecision there, so they almost hurt themselves. It ends up not being the case. But I like the call. That offense is pretty good. I'm going to, again, judiciously make decisions aggressively with that offense. I wouldn't even mind a, a run play there. But it's pretty tough to stop A-B on that bubble screen one yard out. I mentioned the offensive line, and I'm going to get to some individuals in a later segment. And I'm going to get to James Conner. Don't worry, I'm going to get to the individuals in the next segment. But that offensive line, Ben got sacked for the first time in the last three games. He was hardly hit. They continue to get better. And by the way, that's with Matt Filer at right tackle. And again, I'm going to address individual players in the next segment. But I'd be remiss if I'm talking about the offensive line, how well they played and continue to play. Hey, James Conner's been great. But we all know, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Gail Sayers. I don't care if it's Jimmy Brown. I don't care if it's Bell or Barry Sanders or James Conner. Your offensive line still has to do the job. And they did. And they continue to do that. Why not? you got three pro bowlers on that line. And Gilbert didn't play yesterday again. He's missed two of the seven already. And I've told you he's missed over 25% of the games he is eligible for in his career here. We'll get to that in the next hour. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Al Villanueva, Big Al. Now, he did get beat on the one sack by Miles Garrett, who's a great, great player. Got beaten badly there. But that's the last you heard from Miles Garrett. That's the only tackle he had all game long. And I understand that they probably gave Villanueva some help over there. You have to against a great pass rusher and one who had had success. Remember, he caused the fumble by James Conner going back in game one But after that one sack, a four-yard sack, he wasn't heard from again. So particular congratulations go out to Alejandro Villanueva. Steelers seem to play a lot of people on defense, a lot of mixing and matching, different guys coming in. Daniel McCullers saw a lot of time. I know he's on the rise, or if they're not happy with Javon Hargrave, Artie Burns didn't play a snap from scrimmage. What does that tell you? I also wanted to mention the first touchdown, which seemed to loosen things up, the 43-yarder to Antonio Brown. I got to give Ben Roethlisberger credit. It was his pump fake that Denzel Ward read and bit up on it, which enabled A.B. to get behind him. So a great pump fake by Ben Roethlisberger. Sometimes those little nuances aren't noticed or aren't mentioned, 
That's what Denzel Ward bit up on, which enabled A.B. to beat him and beat him easily. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. We have healthy bodies, people up. Um, Morgan definitely helped us being able to be so versatile at playing nickel, dime, safety, whatever. So as long as you have as many bodies, coaches can run those personnel groups as much as they want. That is Joe Hayden, who had a tremendous game yesterday. Seems like every game he plays is a tremendous game. Does make you wonder. It'd be presumptuous to suggest uh, that if Joe Hayden had played against Kansas City, if the outcome might have been a bit different given the way that Pat Mahomes torched the Steelers, although the Chiefs seem to do that against everybody. It just makes you wonder. But uh, he's been tremendous. He's talking about Morgan Burnett being available. Now, Burnett didn't play much and doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but the mere fact that he's there enables them to play different defenses that they have not been able to play. Uh, I believe on that interception by Hayden, they were in that dollar defense with seven defensive backs, which they've not played much because they needed Burnett to do that. It also enabled them to move, if I've been suggesting for two weeks now, when Burnett came back, that enabled them to move Sutton to the corner. So when Sensabaugh got hurt, we don't know about his status, we'll find out more tomorrow, when Sensabaugh got hurt, it was Cam Sutton. It was very revealing. Artie Burns, not only did he not play a snap from scrimmage, he played some special teams, <clears throat> but the Steelers were way ahead, right? The game's over. It would have been a great time to insert Artie Burns after Sensiball went out with his foot injury. But no, they put in Cam Sutton instead. I mean, it might have been a great chance. You knew the Browns were going to throw the ball there. might have been a great chance to get Artie Burns some Confidence. No, sir, he stayed nailed to the bench. Interesting. I thought Bud Dupree had a big game. He didn't get a sack, but he had two quarterback hits. And he was the one who caused the holding in the end zone that led to the safety. Because the tackle, that guy's got problems. He couldn't handle Bud Dupree. Stefan Tuitt had a sack. He had a couple quarterback hits. He had a big game. James Conner, what can you say? I continue to be amazed by what I think is a transformation. James Conner, and I don't know if it's because of just he's more confident, he's more experienced, or because he's lighter, is showing a nimbleness, if you will, that we did not see, even at Pitt. We've had this discussion before. He's been regarded as a one-cut downhill guy but he leads the NFL in missed tackles, forced. Now, some of that's because he runs people over, but others because he makes people miss. And you didn't know if that was in his game. No, I'm not going to discuss Le'Veon Bell's return. Could happen in about 26 hours or so. We'll see. I mentioned Matt Filer, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later. And the Steeler offensive line in general, we might be seeing a changing of the guard next year. I also wanted to mention Ryan Switzer. Now, he took the blame for the gap on the free kick. But it didn't appear as though Rosie Nix or Antonio Brown knew what the hell they were doing either. Now, a lot of people 
have talked about the coaching staff, justifiably so. Skip says, how do NFL players not know the rules on a free kick? Does Danny Smith convey these rules? Happened last year in Kansas City. These gaffes are one reason I never picked the Steelers when they play New England. Uh, there's no question. I will say this, for all we know, Danny Smith did tell them. And they still got, uh, it wouldn't be the first time. But if they didn't, there's a special circumstance. You get the safety. You know what's coming next. You talk to your returners. And by the way, to me, that was a case of too many cooks spoiling the soup. You had three guys back there. And Britton Colquitt's a good punter. Would they think they're going to try an onside kick there from the 20? So they should. you gather people together. Now, maybe Smith did this. I don't know. Switzer took the blame. He said, I did not know the rule. There's a case where it's a refresher. They go over these things in practice, maybe only in training camp. I don't know. But there's a case where a little refresher, uh, refresher course would have been a good idea. But I found it amazing how many people did not know the rules. In the press box, on broadcasts. And I'm sitting on uh, the ball. It's a free ball. And we had some folks calling the postgame show yesterday who didn't understand the rule. You don't see it that often, right? But you know what? You do, 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 do see it. Every game. You see it eight, ten times. Why? Because any kickoff is a free kick. Any kickoff is a free ball. That's why we have the onside kick. That is a free kick. The fact that he punted it, they're allowed to do that, it still means it's a free kick. Switzer said, well, I thought that, you know, if he kicked it, it would be a free ball, but if he punted it, it would be just like a punt. No, it's not. And I was amazed I had to explain that to so many people in the press box. But they don't get paid to play. These guys do. Amazing. It's just amazing to me. But with all the heat on Switzer, I also think it's important to point out, yes, he had a drop pass too. But he also had three punt returns for over 15 yards per return. If you average 15 yards per return, you'll lead the league in punt returning. So he made a mistake. Antonio Brown made a mistake. Rosie Nix made a mistake. And it could have turned the game around. You know what I, I likened that to? At that time of the game, Steelers had just scored a safety. They're up 10. They got all the momentum. And that gave the ball back to the Browns. And I thought, this could be just like James Conner's fumble in the game one. It turned the game around. This could have, but it did not. The Browns still needed four successive penalties to get in the end zone. Have I got everybody? 
I think so. I think I mentioned everybody good and bad. More conversation about the Steeler offensive line the next hour. I want to get to some phone calls and some of your comments. 412-922-2874, pound 970. Ron's on the cell. He joins us on Savern on Sports. Hi, Ron. Hey, Stan. How are you? <clears throat> Doing great. Thank you. Made, you. I, you made all great points. I think Tua had a great game. But Dupre, even though he didn't like, sack anybody, he still, you could see he was really in um, Baker's uh, back of his mind. He saw him coming a couple different times. And I think he ducked away from him. But uh, they both, defensive line played great. Hey, uh, question for you. Last night you were talking with Charlie about calls that you can make for uh, <clears throat> McDonald when he, when he when, you know, when a pass is thrown to him. Yeah, let me just refresh for people who didn't hear the postgame show on the Steelers Network. Um, we know we had Heath, and now when Jesse James catches a pass, they still yell, Heath. Um, and, and when Juju catches a pass, you're Juju. Um, the way McDonald catches and runs, I, I you know, I wanted some sort of thing that people can say, not a nickname for him. There's been some good ones, Vanimal and things like that, but something that the fans at Heinz Field can chant that would resonate uh, among 65,000 people. I got one for you. All right. You got to talk you got to talk to Larry Richard or whoever it is that uh, gets the fans fired up and just put up on the screen E I E I O. That's what I suggested. That's what I said yesterday and Charlie and the listeners shouted me down, Ron. I missed that. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't pick it up I didn't pick it up until late. They shouted uh, me down. I'm sorry about that. But E I E I O, I think we get the fans fired up. You put that on the screen. I mean, old McDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. I like I mean, it. Just, I love it. All right, well, just, I, didn't, I didn't know. How about you? I and, the same thing. I've been saying that all year. I'm, I'm hollering in my section, sitting there in section 110, and a couple of people look at me like I'm crazy. Well, I'll tell you what. A couple picked up on it. Next game so, against Carolina, next home game against Carolina, uh, when he does that and runs some people over, you yell it, and I'll stand up and scream it in the press box. How about that? Get it, get it to Larry Richard. Somebody, somebody can get it on the screen. I'm All telling right. you. I like the, it. The fans will pick up on it. All right. I love it. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care. Let's go to Sarcastic Sword. Hello, Sword. Hey, Stan. After a few beers, three syllables is too many. Uh, <laughs> has, has to be Van, maybe. Just Van. Anyways. Uh, or Mac. Or, I, I, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. One syllable. Hey, uh. Overall, that's the most physical game I've seen in quite a while on both sides of the line. Um, I don't know if it has a lot to do with the bye week or just these guys coming to be. I'm going to hold off one week until they face the Ravens because the last time they did, they looked like a, physically like a college team against a pro team. The Ravens outmanned them physically on both sides of the ball. So I'm, I'm going to hold on one week before I think we've turned the corner, although – I've been waiting for Tuitt and Dupree to play like this for years. We've talked for years about this. Finally, maybe uh, that might be coming together, and it was good to see uh, Dupree uh, in the, in the, on the screen for the whole play instead of off to the side half the time. He was uh, really making a straight line right to the quarterback. And you mentioned the, you know Cam and even McCullers in there. Everybody physically looked very strong. And, and he, you know, as far as Connors runs, that adds to it as well. And I was glad to see both Ridley, despite, you know, dropping the ball, and even Samuels being worked in uh, because of the way Connors runs and how physical he is. He's got to have relief from time to time. And 
I'm glad to see them working in these guys. But I'll tell you what, pond for pond, Hilton, I mean, I seen once Chubb was coming out and uh, on a little swing or something, and that Hilton, all 70, you know, 170 pounds of the guy, I mean, he goes right at him. And I know it's a different position, but if Burns has some time, he ought to watch the film of his comrade Hilton there, the way he plays the game. Uh, the only last thing, I, I was going to ask you on a fair catch, I've never seen a fair catch where someone else catches the ball despite the one that made the fair catch signal. There may be a penalty, but at least you keep the ball. I'm sure you can't advance it. No, uh, it's, Rose, a, it's a penalty. It would be a penalty, but again, um, you, you, it doesn't penalize you in terms of possession. Uh, that's another right. thing. That's another thing. I, I wanted to bring up the other end of that rule because so many people were confused by. We don't see it all that often. Although, as I pointed out, you see it every game. A kickoff is is a free yep. kick, um, but you can call for a fair catch on any free kick. Um, if if right. a if a guy call, let's say for example, uh, if if a, if a guy kicks a uh, kicks off and it's in the air, um, a return guy can call for a fair catch if he wants to right then and there, and he cannot be hit. So. Any free kick, which one after a safety is indeed, you can call for a fair catch. Yeah, but uh, Cleveland could not have advanced the ball. I'm no, sure you know that as well. And and lastly, uh, well, well let me let me let me just add a caveat. You cannot advance the ball once it hits the ground. Right. Okay. There. Yeah. All right. I got you. They could uh, if it was still. Well, one, yeah. Once they recovered it, they can't. No. Ball, Cleveland, but they can't. Take no, you ball. can't. And I was actually mistaken on that, so I'm not uh, the know-it-all that I, I come off as. Uh, but no, you. The only, you that, the only thing that puzzles me, Stan, it used to be on a kickoff when a guy's in the end zone and catches it, he'd go down to one knee to end the play. Now I'm seeing that the ball will hit in the end zone, and the guy just walks away from it, and it's still in the end zone, and the referee's calling it to go out to the 25-yard line. That's now, what, I, that's one of the additions they made to try to okay. eliminate kickoff returns. Um, gotcha. Now you still you can still you know you don't I mean ball goes in the end zone you can still run it out if you want to um, but it's almost like the college rule now um, to, to, right. in that regard it's, you know it, it it's like I know you're not a hockey guy but it's like the automatic icing call without having going back to touch it so the, the, yeah. they've just eliminated that as soon as the, the puck crosses a certain line that's icing doesn't matter who touches it gotcha but you used to have to down it physically touch right it, Co- correct. Through. Okay, you got me straightened out, Stan. All right, well, that's why I'm here, maybe. I'm not sure why I'm here. <laughs> Thank you, Sword. All right, quickly. Uh, where are we going here? Kent in West Virginia. Hi, Kent. Yeah, hi, Stan. Uh, I heard you and Charlie yesterday on the radio talking about, the, you know, cheers for Vance McDonald. Yeah. And I thought, uh, well, how about advance? And, of course, advance would probably morph into ad man, so ad man might be a catchy, catchy, catchy thing to shout out. Well, there's, there's a, there's, yeah, the, the, the thing about it is, is it's got to be something that resonates in the stadium, um, and I, I think that the sword is right. Um, two syllables is probably too much to ask, um, because even when Jesse James came in, they still screamed Heath when he caught the ball. So uh, the one I thought that might catch on was just V. Vance, maybe that would work. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, or ad maybe, or V, or something like that. Ad's ad's kind of odd, so yeah. Yeah. So, all right, all right. Well, just add that one suggestion. Thanks. Thank you, Kent. Appreciate it. I think I think that the sword's right. 
um, after a number of beers. Maybe two syllables might be too much. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Tunch, who does he remind you of, Vance McDonald? We were talking about it yesterday at the game. I mean, the first guy I think of is Ditka. Uh, John Mackey was like that. Uh, right. Tight ends just, you know, ran. You know, we, we've, we've gotten these tight ends, Gronk. We, we've got these tight ends who are more wide receivers now. And I go back to a time there's a guy named Milton Warren who played for Cleveland, was a big guy and run people over like that. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ditka and John Mackey, uh, Stan. Uh, you know, really, you know, the, I remember as a kid watching NFL films of those guys and uh, and then actually watching them play on Sunday uh, and just uh, the way that they lowered their shoulders and ran over guys. I, I heard uh, that uh, uh, when he was drafted by San Francisco, Harbaugh gave him 89 because he reminded him of Ditka. Yes, and uh, so I heard that. Uh, I don't know if that was true or not, but that's what and, I had heard. And Harbaugh played for Ditka. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Harbaugh played for him uh, when he was with the Bears. And uh, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, you got you to gotta love it. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Vance McDonald fan. Uh, the physicality which with the runs, the way where he's always lowering his shoulder to run a guy over. And uh, it's fun. it's a lot of fun. From a player standpoint, when you see a guy like that or a running back just knocking people over, um, like you know, like Jerome used to do, um, does that fire up the rest of the offensive te- uh, guys or the rest of the team in general? Oh, absolutely, Stan. I mean, when you watch a guy run over a guy, it is you know, it is the offensive equivalent of a sack. You know, you know how uh, a sack fires up the defense. Well, when you see a guy run over a, a couple of guys, man, you are just fired up, and and you feed off that, and that's what makes uh, uh, makes Vance so special. Because every time uh, he's got the ball in, uh, in his hands, you know uh, he's going to make something happen, and the rest of the guys on offense just feed off that. Touch, by the way, is brought to us, not by the way, I should have said that first, is brought to us by Calusi Chevrolet. And Touch has been their representative for quite some time. And Touch, I mentioned this, Joe, we play the James Conner clip. In the first half, he only had 33 yards. Then he explodes for 113 in the second. Did anything change schematically in what the Steelers were doing or how they dealt with the Browns' defense vis-a-vis the running game? You know what I think happened, Stan? I think that uh, because of what happened Saturday, I think a lot of people were focused on that. I mean, I don't know about you, but it was very hard for me to regroup and focus on football initially. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened to the Steelers. Initially, they were, you know, you're, when, when, there, when there's something that is distracting from a, from a head standpoint, you can put that away and move on. But when there's something distracting from a heart standpoint, I think of when Ryan Shazier uh, got hurt in Cincinnati last year, and for a while the Steelers were just kind of, uh, I don't want to see say they were sleepwalking, but they weren't playing as well, and it took them a while to get back on track. Uh, I think that's what happened yesterday. I, I, I think that it took a while for the game to develop for them to, you know, for everybody in Pittsburgh to, to start focusing on the task at hand instead of uh, the tragedy that occurred in Squirrel Hill uh, the day before. 
You know, from a player's perspective, Ben said something interesting in the postgame yesterday. He said, you know, Coach Tomlin always says when you're between the white lines, nothing else matters. you got to block everything else out. Um, but in your playing career, whether it was something personal going on in your life, in your family, or, or, or something uh, as unfortunate, uh, and I, that's a terrible word. I don't even know what to, what to call Saturday. Uh, like you, I, I, I'm not going to get into it now. I, I was on TV this morning, talked about it a lot. I walked into the uh, uh, press area yesterday, and a uh, colleague said, how you doing? I said, I'm not doing very well at all. Uh, right. And I wasn't, and for a lot of different reasons from my perspective. But I wonder, from a player's perspective, um, can you block out everything, at least for those three hours? I don't think so. I think you can, I think you can start focusing on the task at hand. And I think what happened to the Steelers, uh, you know, they, it, it, they, you know, initially, I mean, you know, Stan, I'm, I'm sure you felt the same way. My stomach was in knots all morning yesterday and all the night before. And, you know, and, and going to the vigil and seeing the people there, and it was just so, it was so heart-wrenching and so heartbreaking. And, you know, and we're called to grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. And, and I think that's what, you know, the majority of people were doing. And so I think the game initially, it was hard to uh, maybe just focus on just football. I mean, maybe they did. I don't know. But, it, but to me, it looked like it, take, it took them a while. Uh, to uh, you know, to hit their stride, and then when they did hit their stride, one uh, then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they really uh, put it on, on the Cleveland Browns. Now, be honest. Before the play was executed, did you like the idea of going for it uh, on the first and goal down there um, with what was it, twelve seconds left, ten, whatever, or ten, I think, um, or do you think better kick the field goal and get out of here? No, I always want to go for it. <laughs> I did too. We're together. I I loved it. I thought it was great. I love I love uh, the way uh, Mike calls the game. I you know his his uh, aggressive nature is I will not live in my fears. I like all of that. So yeah, I would have I would have wanted to go for it as well. And you know you've got time. you know I, I'm thinking you got time you got time. Uh, you better either get in the end zone or make it or have it incomplete. So then you have at least you have two seconds left to kick the field goal. Well, of course, if he the thing the thing about it was yeah, if you throw the ball in the end zone, right? Um, but the problem is um, uh, that he uh, didn't, and if he gets tackled, that's the end right. of the end of the half. I want to ask you about this, um, and I'll, again, that's what I try to do is draw on your playing experience and your years around the NFL. Maybe Wolf would be best to ask because he's down on the field. But the the, the confusion, uh, and that's being kind, the lack of knowledge of the rules on a free kick. Is it common when there is a specialized circumstance like that that the coach will say, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I know they go over it in practice, I'm sure in training right. camp, but, I mean, just a little refresher course – um, I, frankly, I've been astounded by how many people in uniform and out did not know the rule. Right. You know, and, and I don't think that it was not uh, a, a, a not knowing the rule. I just think it was a momentary freeze. I mean, for, for that split second, I forgot the rule, and I know the rule. I remember uh, Barry Foster. It wasn't oh. a free kick. It was a kickoff in San Francisco when he let it just bounce. And San Francisco re- uh, recovered it for a touchdown. But, uh, you know, it, it, for the brief moment, 
uh, I, you know, when uh, Rosie signaled the fair catch, and he didn't, and he didn't make a play on it. I went, and then I went, oh man, that's a free kick. Uh, it, it, it dawned on me a little bit late. So yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, the the guys should have been talking to one another. Hey, remember, this is a kickoff. It's not a punt, but they treated it like a punt. Yeah, Ryan Switzer said after the game that he was on the impression that if the guy kicks it off, then um, it's a free ball. But if, it's, if he punts it, then it's a punt. No, it's not. Not in, no, that, no. Not yeah, in yeah. that circumstance. Last thing, um, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Baltimore. Um, it's, it's pretty hard to ignore that this is a team on the rise. The offense is balanced. Um, and even though the Browns aren't an offensive juggernaut, um, and now without a head coach, and who knows what the rest of that staff is going to look like by the time they're done. Uh, it's, it's Somebody mentioned Hugh and Lou are dumped. Ty Lou was fired as the Cavaliers coach. Yes, uh, yesterday, uh, Hugh uh, gets nailed today. They're both in the Lou now. Um, yeah. um, uh, but the Steelers, especially defensively, seem to be a team on the rise. Yeah, you know, uh, Stan, we, we talked about how this team would be a work in progress on the defensive side of the ball throughout the season. Well, now we're now they're playing good football. I love the way they're playing gap, uh, sound, disciplined football. I love the, I mean, the blitz package that uh, Butsy called was phenomenal. I mean, he made it. Uh, so he kept bringing John Bostic uh, from off inside the guard and the tackle, made the tackle squeeze down, and that's what gave TJ uh, an open shot for his first sack. He gave Bud an open shot uh, on a couple of pressures, and uh, it, it was it was just the way he called uh, the defenses was outstanding. You know, when you've got a shutdown corner like uh, Joe Hayden, I mean, yeah, he just he has added so much to this team, not only from a standpoint that he is physically a tremendous player, but he's, you know, his his experience in veteranship, uh, the way the other uh, DBs feed off him, it's just really cool to see. And then, you know, you're looking at Stefan Tuitt and, and uh, Cam Hayward, they're playing uh, dominant football. I, I just think that uh, every day these guys get better, and it's, it's you know, uh, as Mike Tomlin likes to say, this is when you want to start in your stride. You're at the halfway point. You got uh, 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 a bunch of conference games left with teams like San Diego and Baltimore and uh, New England and Cincinnati again that you have to win. And uh, this team is playing like it. All right, Tunch, thank you for the visit as always. Great job. <clears throat> Don't forget Touch and Wolf each weekday, 10 until noon. Thank you, Touch. We'll right. talk to you next always, week. Always great being out with you, Stan. Thank you for the opportunity. You bet, bye, Touch. Bye, bye, bye. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio.